We're going to be in Genesis chapter 30. And i got to tell you, it's been very interesting to read the stories of, of the people that God has used in the Bible, especially here in Genesis, from the, from the beginning of time of the patriarchs. And we can see that even though uh, God uses certain people, that they, they too go through some very amazing things, some amazing hardships. And, and sometimes even more so. I will say this. If, if you feel like you have family problems, <laughs> you will probably feel pretty good about whatever it is that you're going through compared to what we've been going over here from Genesis chapter uh, 29 and 30 and, and 28. We've had quite the story. And to kind of catch us up, as we're going to be in Genesis chapter 30, to catch us up to where we've gotten, we've had, a, in a couple chapters back, we had the twin brothers of Jacob and Esau. And the story of Jacob and Esau was that they were both, they were twins. Esau was the firstborn, Jacob was the second to come in behind him. And, and due to the culture of the ancient times, what it was is normally the firstborn son would receive the blessings and the birthrights. So Esau would have received that. But you see, God had other plans because Esau was not in the plans of God because, see, God knows us. He, he knows us before we're even born. It says it in Jeremiah that I knew you before you were even in the womb. And so, God knew Jacob, he knew Esau and had plans for Jacob. As Esau, he already knew what he was going to do. And so, Jacob though, Jacob was a conniver. And, and as they gotten older, Jacob went ahead and kind of pulled a, a trick on his brother in order to receive the birthright over, over food. His brother Esau was, was extremely hungry one day from a day of hunting, comes in, feels like he's, he's wanting to pass out most likely, and begs his brother for, for a bowl of whatever he was making, this red lentil stew. And Jacob says, sure, I'll give you some. Just give me your birthright. And Esau, was his whole demeanor towards it was, that's fine. I'm going to die one day. Who cares about the birthright? And then we had the blessings that were was going to be given to him through his father Isaac. But there was a whole other story involved there, which you would have to go back to in, in chapter 29. Basically, Jacob took the uh, the blessing as well from a very elaborate scheme by their mother. So once Esau found out what had happened, he had threatened his brother's life. So their their mother Rebecca said, "I want you to run to run to my homeland in Haran, and I want you to stay with your uncle Laban." So he he goes there and he makes it to his uncle Laban, but he meets Laban's daughter whose name was Rachel, and he falls in love with Rachel. He wanted to marry Rachel. So on the night of their, of their wedding um, consummation, if you will, Uncle Laban switches his daughter Leah, who was the older daughter, into the tent with, with, uh, with Jacob. And Jacob had no idea who it was that he had that night with until he woke up the next morning. And, and the reason why that, uh, uh, he was actually waiting for, for Rachel was because Laban said that, well, yeah, you could have her if you serve me for seven years. And, and Jacob agreed to it. 
So once he woke up and found out that it was Leah with him, Uncle Laban said, well, it was actually in our culture that the firstborn uh, is normally to be married first, and, and this is our custom, which was a complete lie. That was not a custom in their region and in that day. So he says, oh, I tell you what, for another seven years of you serving me, you can, you can have uh, Rachel. And so he, he agreed to go ahead and stay and serve another seven years. So during that time frame, uh, he had he children with, with Leah, the older daughter. As Rachel was barren from children, he'd already had some children with Leah, which these sons were going to be the, the beginning of the 12 nations. The 12 sons he had were going to be the, of the 12 tribes of Israel. And so there was a 14-year time span that he had spent within the household. And again, the the Bible doesn't show us or tell us everyday activities over the period of the 14 years, but one can only imagine... One can only imagine what it was like having a dishonest uncle <laughs> and, and having two wives and, and children and so on and so forth. But see, it's going to get interesting. It's going to get even more interesting in chapter 30. And, and so, again, when we read this, we are amazed. We are amazed on how people did what they did and got away with things or what they didn't get away with. And, and so... We're going to see why God created laws. We're going to see why God said the things he did in the in the later books of the Bible was because of what we're seeing now, as I will make it known again. So let's go ahead and we will get started in Genesis chapter 30. We're going to have uh, a pretty good long chapter here, so I'm going to be reading in, in long uh, in increments as I'll start off in verse 1 of chapter 30. Now when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children... Rachel envied her sister and said to Jacob, Give me children or else I die. And Jacob's anger was aroused against Rachel and he said, Am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? So she said, Here is my maid Bilhah. Go into her and she will bear a child on my knees that I also may have children by her. Then she gave him Bilhah, her maid, as wife and Jacob went into her. And Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has judged my case, and he has also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore she called his name Dan. And Rachel's maid Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, With great wrestling I have wrestled with my sister, and indeed I have prevailed, so she called his name Naphtali. When Leah saw that she had stopped bearing, she took Zilpah, her maid, and gave her to Jacob, his wife. And Leah's maid, Zilpah, bore Jacob a son. And then Leah said, A troop comes. So she called his name Gad. <laughs> it's interesting how the three patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all three of them had wives who were unable to bear children from the time of their marriage. But yet God showed his power and abilities on all three of their situations by allowing the wives to give birth at some point. So we have a parallel situation with Jacob and his grandfather Abraham here. Uh, where Sarah, Abraham's wife, said to, uh, to have a child with the maidservant Hagar, which was Sarah's maidservant. Just like Abraham and Sarah, within the ancient customs, the child would be considered theirs by adoption, even though they didn't have it uh, biologically. Which is why when she said, um, you know, having the child on my knees, it was an ancient ritualistic way of, of adoption. 
But it, but it didn't work. Sarah had Hagar and her son thrown out thrown out of the house after 13 to 14 years. It just didn't work. And then we have the son Bill uh, uh, Bilha uh, had had that she had was Dan, which which means judgment. Now as years go by, the tribe of Dan will not be one that was doing well in God's sight. So we have the unfortunate nature of how this came about within the birth, and then in the future of the tribe of Dan was not that of a good one. Naphtali comes along, and his name means wrestle. And then Leah decides to do the same, offers her maid, and he has a child with her named Gad, meaning troop. So this had to be one of the most craziest competitions anyone could engage in. We, we can see that just because something was cultural, socially, uh, you know, or socially acceptable, it doesn't make it right or beneficial. If it's not right, it can't be beneficial. But it, but it was to all of them from the looks of it. See, many suffered the consequences, but Bilhah was the instrument who was deprived of having a family with her own husband and, you know, maids and servants were subject to do whatever they were told. And, and they normally did so without question, but this poor woman was deprived of having her own family with a husband of her own. Due to the, due to the decisions from, from the wives. You know, this competition was the exercise of the flesh, by all means. We look at Rachel's demeanor and, and comment to Jacob, and I will die if I don't have children of my own. You know, and then we have Leah, who was jealous that Jacob actually loved Rachel in truth, and figured that by having his child, he would he would love me as she as she bore the children. That was her demeanor. That didn't work. You know, it's jealousy and envy that caused the first murder in the world between brothers, Cain and Abel. As as Cain had killed Abel, it's envy that has divided loved ones and separated friends. Nothing good comes from any of it. You know, heaven will be great as there will be none of these things. Everyone together in unity, in harmony, in God's glory, in presence for all of eternity. It does not get any better than that. So we do have something to look forward uh, to. But by, by the will of God, may we stay the course and avoid the things that we've been witnessing here. There's a lot of pain and a lot of destruction that happens in families. And, and praise God for his word. Praise God for the, for the examples that he gave us in truth. Because we have the examples to stay away from certain things. And we have the examples of things to, to hold on to that we do want to pertain to us. Now, if we continue, we're going to look at uh, verses 12 through 24. And Leah's maid Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, I am happy for the daughters will call me blessed. So she called his name Asher. Now Reuben went in the days of wheat harvest and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, Please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, Is it a small matter that you have taken away my husband? Would you take away my son's mandrakes also? And Rachel said, Therefore he will lie with you tonight for your son's mandrakes. When Jacob came out of the field in the evening, Leah went out to meet him and said, You must come into me, for I have surely hired you with my son's mandrakes. And he laid with her that night. And God listened to Leah, and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Leah said, God has given me my wages because I have given my maids to my husband. So she called his name Ishakar. Then Leah conceived again and, and bore Jacob a sixth son. 
And Leah said, God has endowed me with a good endowment. Now my husband will dwell with me because I have borne him six sons. So she called his name Zebulun. Afterwards she bore a daughter and called her name Dinah, or Dinah. Then God remembered Rachel and God listened to her and opened her womb. And she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. So she called his name Joseph and said, The Lord shall add to me another son. I mentioned in uh, previous chapters that all the things that were going on between these sisters and the maidservants, these interracial marriages, all of these things and then some were forbidden by God because one of the things, uh, because of the things that we are seeing here. People love to ask the question like, well, why would God allow these things to happen? It wasn't that God allowed these things to happen. People did these things and God went ahead and made the laws to forbid them. So this is what we're seeing here when people like to ask the question, why, why would God allow this? It wasn't that it was allowed. He forbid it and we, in the later books of the, of the Torah, of the laws. So we have Reuben who was out picking mandrake. Uh, which is, it's a root. Uh, mandrake is a root that normally grows around parts of Europe and the Mediterranean areas. Uh, it's also used for medicinal purposes because they believe that this root also contributed to increased fertility in women. But again, God was the one, God was the one to open the door as Rachel was able to conceive finally. Not the mandrake, but they believed that the mandrake was a, con- uh, a contribution to it. And this was Joseph that she had, who will play a big part in his family as he gets older. And I say these things now to remind us as we get to that point, because this family, unfortunately, will see turmoil and bloodshed through the years. You know, Joseph was the 11th son out of 12, which will be, the, uh, which will be again, the founders of the, to- the 12 tribes of Israel. And it's interesting to see how certain women who were not able to bear children, that God allowed these children to be born, that these children were blessed and special. Isaac was blessed as the inheritance was given to him. You know, Joseph will be blessed and special within his tribe and brothers, and as well as in other things that we're going to see. We also have Samuel in the book of Samuel, a wonderful prophet. And he was also the last judge in Israel during the years of Judges. His mother Hannah was barren, and she prayed for a child, and she got one, but she got one with a godly legacy. And as we see, as we can see that trusting God when things were not happening, it was definitely difficult. But you see, how much harder is it to live with the consequences of taking matters into our own hands than for than more so than trusting in God? You know, I will continue to repeat the scripture in Proverbs 29, where where there is no vision, the people will perish. But it must be the Lord's vision, not man's personal vision. Because it's always man's vision that will cause people to perish. It's the, it's the vision that God gives to the man. And, and throughout the Bible, when man did things outside of God's will, and, and when it wasn't his vision, it, it never turned out for the good. It never turned out in their favor. So let's continue to take a look at what's uh, what's going on here in verses 25 through 33. And it came to pass, when Rachel had borne Joseph, that Jacob said to Laban, 
Send me away that I may go to my own place and to my country. Give me my wives and my children, for whom I have served you, and let me go. For you know my service, which I have done for you. And Laban said to him, Please stay. If I have found favor in your eyes, for I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. Then he said, Name me your wages, and I will give it. So Jacob said to him, You know how I have served you and how your livestock has been with me. For what you have had before I came was little, and it has increased to a great amount. The Lord has blessed you since my coming, and now when shall I provide for my own house? So he said, What shall I give you? And Jacob said, You shall not give me anything. If you will do this thing for me, I will again feed and keep your flocks. Let me pass through all your flock today, removing from there all the speckled and spotted sheep, and all the brown ones among the lambs, and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and these shall be my wages. So my righteousness will answer for me in time to come, when the subject of my wages comes before you, every one that is not speckled and spotted among the goats, and brown among the lambs, will be considered stolen if it was with me." So again, I mentioned there was a period of 14 years. Uh, 14 years had passed that Jacob had served his uncle Laban for the love and the hand of his daughter Rachel. But ended up with Leah, his older daughter, as Laban set him up, as I mentioned, uh, underhandedly. So this 14-year servanthood was Laban's dishonest way of gain. And Jacob, for the sake of true love, decided to serve him for another seven years. So that was, again, there was a seven years for each daughter. Now, even though Jacob was a godly man, Laban was not. He, he reaped the benefits of Jacob's presence being in the household. He didn't want him to leave. Uh, you know, some may think that maybe he was a family man and, you know, had his daughters and grandchildren there. Who would not want that? Well, again, if you've ever heard the last couple of chapters... Laban was not a man of good character. He was one who would capitalize on any situation for the sake of his own well-being. But he seen the blessings that God bestowed on Jacob. He was fine with that, but he didn't seem to know God or to walk with, with God himself. You know, Laban begins the negotiation process once again. What do you need in order to hang around still? Now, now Jacob was right on leaving his household to provide for his own, as Jacob made uh, Laban pretty wealthy here. Because in these days, wealth wasn't based on, on your um, the amount of money you had. It was based on uh, numerous things on servants, and it was based on the amount of livestock you owned. Uh, possibly your, your home of whatever kind of home it was. A lot of people dwelt in tents. But again, the bigger the, bigger, the better, even in those days. And so for Jacob's agreement, he said he would take care of the flocks. And for payment, he would take the spotted goats. So if you've seen livestock, you know, from that of sheep and goats, they're normally solid colors. Sheep were normally white, goats were either brown, black, or white. Uh, spotted ones were not worth as much, so, so Jacob was willing to take the lesser of the livestock while caring for the rest. See, 14 years is a long time, and one would have to wonder what everyday life could have been like in that household. But I mentioned earlier it wasn't documented in the scripture. Uh, the decision on Jacob's part was a wise one as it was time to head back to the promised land in which he would inherit. That was given to uh, his grandfather Abraham 
then to his son Isaac and then grandson Jacob, who will soon be known as Israel. Now let's take a look here in verses 34 to 43. And Laban said, Oh, that it were according to your word. So he removed that day the male goats that were speckled and spotted, all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, and every one that had some white in it, and all the brown ones among the lambs, and gave them into the hand of his sons. Then he put three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. Now Jacob took for himself rods of green poplar and of the almond and chestnut trees, peeled white strips in them, and exposed the white which was in the rods. And the rods which he had peeled he set before the flocks in the gutters, in the watering troughs, where the flocks came to drink, so they should conceive when they came to drink. So the flocks conceived before the rods... And the flocks brought, uh, brought forth streaked, speckled, and spotted. Then Jacob separated the lambs and made the flocks face toward the streaked and all the brown in the flock of Laban. But he put his own flocks by themselves and did not put them with Laban's flock. And it came to pass, whenever the stronger livestock conceived, that Jacob placed the rods before the eyes of the livestock in the gutters that they might conceive among the rods. But when the flocks were feeble, he did not put them in. So the feebler were Laban's and the stronger were Jacob's. Thus the man became exceedingly prosperous and had large flocks, female and male servants, and camels and donkeys. <laughs> it's interesting again how, how all this came into play. You know, Jacob knew something that many out there probably didn't know in regards to breeding procedures of livestock. But by putting these particular branches in the troughs of, of the water bins, it created more speckled goats and livestock than it did colored ones, solid colored ones. From the looks of it, Jacob was selective on particular animals uh, that he was breeding, bringing forth good stock, and, and by that, the good ones he was able to take with him as Laban agreed to care for the herds. Now, was this a form of Jacob getting uh, almost kind of like a form of payback on his deceitful uncle Laban? Uh, perhaps, maybe. But, you know, when you look at the big picture, when the big picture is looked at, we see God's allowing of this. Why? Because God promised Jacob the blessings through the covenant God made with his grandfather Abraham. It wasn't through Laban. Laban again, Laban again walked in his own world. He lived in his own world. He did his own business ventures. He obviously did not walk with God, have a relationship with God, or a covenant with God such as did, did Jacob. Now, it had nothing to do with Jacob being good at what he did or crafty at doing business. But simply by the grace and promises of God, who God will not break a promise, regardless of our downfalls, Praise be to him on that. But I will continue to make known that regardless of what was promised, it does not give an open door to do wrong or, or to do whatever we want, you know. We take King David. He was a perfect example. God's promise was kept on David's lineage, but not all of them did right unto God, and, and it didn't go well for them. And what it was is that was called the Davidic Covenant. David, David fell on numerous occasions, but David also paid the price for those particular sins, as well as being delivered. 
God did not allow him to perish. But God allowed him to suffer the consequences in order to show him who God was. But God did tell David that, you know what, unfortunately the sword will never leave your house. So David's family uh, suffered again many problems. Problems beyond what most, uh, most other families that have had problems. We hear some horror stories out there. Of families that have been through such turmoil. Well, they've got nothing on David's family. They obviously got nothing on, on Jacob's ordeals here as well, as which we're going to see as we go through on later. But praise God again for his word. You know, the Bible as it is has given us the example. It has given us the instruction from God. And the most important here through the explanation uh, and through the uh, interpretation of, of expository reading of Scripture. I love to be able to give the opportunity to be a part of God through Christ Jesus, who died on the cross for our transgressions, who was also related to Abraham as part of the lineage, who was also related to King David as part of the lineage from God's plan. See, there is nothing sweeter than salvation. But, may we do all that we can to be pleasing to God, you know, after, after receiving the Lord. Because again, the, the one thing that I've learned from God is the three things that, that He really loves to see, that He's always pleased with, which is that of faith, obedience, and humility. And even Christ Himself portrayed all three of those in the absolute form of perfection. He was faithful to to die on the cross for our sins. He was obedient to die on the cross for our sins, blatantly knowing what he was going to have to go through in physical form. But during his time on earth, and as well as, as his time on the cross, he showed the most utmost humility as our Lord and Savior. See, everything we're reading here is, is, is making its way to him. But again, my, my objection here is to make sure that the full counsel of God is made known and that the full counsel of God is being taught for what it's saying. And, and number two, to make sure that you know what it is that you're reading and to make sure that you know why it is that you believe in what you believe in order to receive him as Lord and Savior. So again, I want to give the opportunity to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior as as it says that no man can make it through the kingdom unless you have been born again. No one can see the kingdom of God unless you have been born again. And nobody nobody makes it through the Father except through me. As Jesus said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. So I want to give the opportunity... I want to give the opportunity to, to make sure that, that if, if you knew that you weren't going to make it tomorrow, you'd be able to say, I know where I'm going at least. By doing what I'm doing, receiving Him in truth. So if you want to receive Him, say this prayer after me. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Forgive me of all of my sins. Lord, I confess to you, Lord, that I am a sinner. 
And I ask, Lord, for you to wash me of my sins. And Father, I ask of you to to cleanse me. And Lord, I receive you in my heart, Lord, as my Lord and Savior. And may you receive me into your kingdom, Lord, when my time comes. Lord, as I receive you as my Father and my Lord and my Savior. So Lord, again, I receive you as I love you and I praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, may God bless you as always. And may He keep you. And may you walk strongly with Him. And remember, as we look at what we do in the Bible, if I could remind any of us of anything, those who were at their best were the ones who always walked closest with the Lord. And those who fell the hardest were the ones who walked away. So may we remember that, and may we continue in faith to be discipled as best as possible. May we, may we walk close and hold hands tight with Him. So may God keep you always. God bless you.